Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Ronald Lawrence, Chief of Police in Costa Mesa, California, talks with Bruce about retail crime, shoplifting, and criminal gangs breaking into retail stores, and the connection to drugs and trafficking. Also, Goldman Sachs financial advisor John Connors on his role as president of the board for Balboa Island Museum, a small California museum, and the importance of community activism in society. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now. Here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hode. And we're live on the air tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Bruce Cook. Great honor and my pleasure to be with you for the next hour. We have so much to discuss on Sunday night. It's August 6th, believe it or not. Summer is moving, moving fast. An assistant in my office shared with me just yesterday that she was going into a local supermarket here in the OC and coming out the uh, the moving glass door was a gentleman and he was carrying what looked like at least a half a dozen bottles of very, very good champagne. They weren't in a bag. They weren't in a box. He was just walking out the, the supermarket door carrying all this champagne. My assistant was staring at him saying, boy, he must be going to a party. But I'm sure she was thinking, why is he just carrying them out the door? Well, it didn't take long for her to find out that behind him were customers in the market yelling at him, stop, stop, you're stealing the champagne. This isn't right. It's not fair. You're being, you're a thief. Stop. Man ignored him. He just kept going. He got into a car. I didn't ask her what kind of car, but it was probably a nice car. And he drove away. Our first half hour together tonight on Angels Radio is exploring the unbelievable increase of retail theft in our communities. Not just mom and pop, but the big stores, the Targets, and the Walmarts, and the Rite Aids, and you name it, are being basically ravaged by shoplifting. You've all heard the stories about the gangs, actually the terminology, ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't heard it, they're boosters. They're hired people. They're boosters. They're hired to go into stores and clean them out, get the material, get the merchandise, and they head for a couple places. They head for small mom-and-pop stores that can buy it cheaply and resell it and make a profit without being too noticed. And also, we're going to talk about this in our half hour, online people, a lot of the merchandise that is advertised online that looks too good to be true or too cheap to be real is stolen. Before I get too far into the tirade, I want to introduce you to a very special guest who's going to join us live on air tonight. He's not in the studio because he's got a lot of important stuff to do. He's the chief of police for Costa Mesa, California, here in Orange County. He is the distinguished Ronald Lawrence. He comes from a career that has spanned decades, 
starting at the very bottom, ladies and gentlemen, starting as a patrolman, working his way up through the ranks at different police uh, organizations, uh, not only in California, but elsewhere in the United States. He hails from a farm in Northern California. He went to St. Mary's College in Moraga, which is I'm very familiar with because as a kid, my parents were involved with St. Mary's and I was there a lot. Ron Lawrence, if you heard me with that intro. Anyway, he's going to join us in a second. And also in our show today and in the studio live is a very good friend of mine named John Connors, who is uh, in the financial world. And uh, he's going to pipe into our conversation with Ron Lawrence and also stay in the second half hour to talk to you about some good news on the local scene philanthropically. So with that, people, it's the Bruce Cook conversation. Say hello, Ron Lawrence. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, Bruce. It's a pleasure to be here and I uh, look forward to having our conversation tonight. Look, I've been looking forward to this all week because all I hear about you is how amazing you are. We've never met, but uh, you are a very, very admired guy. So you got a you got your job cut out for you. This topic is making people crazy. So I have to ask you the first question. I know it's not the responsibility of the police to make the laws to prosecute and stop shoplifting. How do you, as a chief of police in a town that's dealing with this, handle the fact that people are allowed to walk out of stores with up to 995 I believe, or, not, or maybe it's $1,000 in merchandise, and not be arrested? Yeah, it's frustrating, and that's a good place to start, and I appreciate you bringing that up, because local law enforcement, your, your local city police, your county sheriff, our state highway patrol, we're the, we're the enforcers of society's laws and rules, but we don't make the rules, we don't make the laws. That's for the policymakers, the, the elected officials in Sacramento, if it's a, a statewide law, as, as it is in this case. Um, so we deal with it as best we can in following the law, but in 2014, the laws changed on us with Proposition 47. The voters passed that, and that changed from uh, uh, theft property value, used to be $450 or more was a felony, anything less than that was a misdemeanor. It raised the value to $950, so anything more than 950 is a felony, anything less than a misdemeanor. But even that's a misnomer, Bruce, because... The truth of the matter is uh, it's not aggregated. So in other words, uh, somebody could steal from one store at less than $950. Even if they get caught, they could turn around and go down the street to another store, get caught a second time, and it's not aggregated. It's still two different misdemeanors that doesn't become magically a felony under the state law. So that's some of the complication we're faced with. But I'll tell you, I'm, I'm proud of our brave men and women of law enforcement in California. I've, I've worked for eight different agencies now in California, and I'll tell you, we do the best we can with the tools we've got, and we're still out there trying to keep our community safe. Well, hats off to you. I, got, I, I don't know what to, how, to, how to even express the frustration of the public when it comes to this. Every day I hear a conversation similar to my opening about the lady that saw a man stealing champagne and just walking out the door. But I am also understanding that merchants have advised their security officers and their help not to intervene. Is that fair? Is it wise? And the consequences, I guess, they're trying to avoid any kind of liability or damage or people getting hurt. Please comment. 
Yeah, that's true to some degree. There's every every property owner, every store, whether it's a big box store or a mom and pop store, has their own set of policies. And it's true that some uh, discourage their security, or they don't have security at all, or even those that do discourage their security from getting physically involved to avoid the liability. So they don't want their employees chasing people out of the store. Um, but that's not the case in all the stores. But that is uh, that is the case with many of them. They'll still call us, and we'll still still come and intervene, but it takes the police some time to get on scene. I mean, it could take several minutes, depending on what's going on in the city. So by the time we get there to try to apprehend somebody, quite often they're they're gone. Um, so that is that is truly an issue. And and really, part of the problem is it's 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 easy to conjure up when you think of somebody stealing in in the case you you mentioned champagne. Um, you know, there's there's the shoplifter, there's the one person that goes in and snags something and takes off. But then there's the organized retail theft rings that are, are actually problematic in that they're organized and going up and down the state uh, and intentionally, strategically ripping us off. And um, both of that full gamut and everything in between is a real problem for us. The public is frustrated because they feel if they call the police on any of these kind of incidents, as you just expressed, you have a lot to do. It may take you a few minutes to get there. And even when you do get there, the, the, the perp may be gone. And the public is frustrated because the follow-up is impossible. You have so much on your plate. Yes or no? That's true. And, and quite frankly, every jurisdiction is different. So if you're, if you're in a, a city like Los Angeles, um, a police response is going to be remarkably different than, say, a police response in Costa Mesa. We're going to a smaller city, uh, less going on. We're going to get there faster. But so it really depends on where you live and how how much resources your local police department has. Uh, there's only so many officers out on patrol at any given time. So uh, depending on if there's serious life-threatening or in-progress uh, calls, uh, we prioritize those as best we can. But you mentioned the follow-up. And you know, I'm I'm non-political, so I'm not going to get political here. But this, there is a reality we have to talk about, and that is that uh, depending on your county district attorney and their uh, their desire to prosecute these types of crimes or their ability to prosecute these types of crimes, that makes a remarkable difference. Uh, it's no it's no secret that the Los Angeles district attorney George Gascon is uh, not one to prosecute these types of crimes. Conversely, here in Orange County, we've got. Uh, Todd Spitzer, or a district attorney, does. So which county you live in and who's elected as district attorney makes a big difference on the back end of these type of cases. Is anything happening? I hear mumbling that Prop 47 may be under review with the Assembly. Things may happen. Things may change. What have you heard? Well, I, I was, I've been on the board of directors for the California Police Chiefs Association for over a decade, and I'm, I'm no longer on that board. But I'll tell you, in 2020, there, are, there was a Proposition 20 that we tried to get passed to uh, overturn pieces of Prop 47, and it failed miserably. So you can't change the core of Prop 47 without a, without a vote of the people, because it was voted in uh, by the by the people by a, by a pretty large margin. I think it was 60 percent. Now there's pieces of it you could probably change. The legislatures could could do the assembly or the senate could try to change the pieces of it, but I, I don't think without a vote of the people they can really change it completely uh, from what it was. The vote of the people also reflects the time of the vote. We were in a terrible pandemic, and then before that, there was a lot of economic despair. There still is a lot of economic, an economic uh, despair, 
And you mentioned approximately 60% of the vote was in favor of not overbearing our legal system and, and the people that, are, that were uh, shoplifting because there's a very strong sentiment about a very large portion of those people actually suffering financially so desperately that they weren't part of these gangs that are robbing Gucci and Neiman Marcus and reselling. They're, they're buying things off of the grocery store shelves in order to eat. This has been exacerbated by inflation. It's been exacerbated by politics, but mostly because there's a lot of poor people out there. And when we are so divided politically and when this country is so divided in every way, experts and pundits alike both say that these kinds of societal breakdowns where lawlessness starts to flourish and people start to think, well, so what? Nothing's going to happen. I'm starving. I need it. Give it to me. Comment. Yeah, well, Prop 47, the, the, the basis of it was to an attempt to reduce the prison population. And California had, at the time, I think 33 state prisons, and they were trying to reduce the prison population because we were mandated by the Supreme Court to do so. Now, there was different options, I think, uh, to do that, but they chose uh, Prop 47 as, as a principal, one of the principal means, one of several. Uh, so that was kind of the the, the intent of it. Now, what we're faced with, though, and I, I will say that uh, it's a failed failed attempt, uh, because what you described, the guy that's trying to feed himself is stealing stuff from the grocery store, yes, that is that is criminal, and yes, it's a problem, but it's not the biggest problem. When you're looking at jewelry store smash and grabs like happened in Irvine, that's happened in San Francisco, Los Angeles, all over, um, these people that are coming in, they're very organized and literally with hammers and trash cans smashing jewelry store glass cases and stealing jewelry, that's not a guy trying to feed himself. That's an organized criminal theft ring that is absolutely taking advantage of the state's policies and laws. And it's getting worse and worse. Talk to me about San Francisco. You mentioned San Francisco. The news has reported for a long time that major stores, like I mentioned in the beginning, uh, <clears throat> Walmart and uh, Thrifty and, and so forth, are closing down. They just, they're fed up. They don't want to deal with it anymore. Their employees are, are scared. They've, the profits have, have gone to uh, into the toilet, and it's just too much to deal with. New York also is supposed to be, San Francisco and New York are both supposed to be the worst in the country. What do you know about those places, and do you fear that it's coming here to Orange County more and more, or will it be stopped by you and others? Well, it is bad in the bigger cities, the inner cities, San Francisco and Los Angeles. And again, I'll point back to the district attorneys that are prosecuting these cases. And I, you know, I'll, I'll stop short of that, uh, saying anything beyond that. But it, if you look at the district attorneys and the prosecution of criminal cases, every there's 58 counties in California, and that makes a huge difference. So, Ron, do you have an example of what uh, Mr. Spitzer might have prosecuted in terms of a shoplifting crime that you might share with the audience? Uh, I don't, but I'll tell you that if someone had a criminal history versus a one-time offense, that makes a big difference. If someone's a, a part of an organized retail crime theft ring versus somebody that goes to a grocery store to try to steal a hot dog because they're hungry, that's a remarkable difference. And I'll tell you that here in Orange County, that level of common sense when it comes to prosecution, I'm comfortable with our DA and the approach that they take. Uh, but I don't have any examples uh, for you, but I, you know, I'll tell you that 
they do hold people accountable. And the, the issue, and we heard our DA just a few weeks ago at a press conference on the organized retail theft stuff. He was talking about these these um, uh, South American theft groups that are literally from South America coming into the U.S. and up and down California and throughout the whole United States, frankly. Uh, and they're they're mobile, so they it's hard to for local jurisdictions to kind of track them because they'll come and hit one city and move on to the next. And uh, that that has become a real problem for us up and down California. It's quite amazing. They they talk about South American gangs from. Peru coming and stealing merchandise, it, it is really, really beyond the pale. But let me ask you this before we take our first break. Um, the uh, Excuse me. <coughs> I'm having a cough today. Pardon me, radio listeners. It's not pleasant to hear that, I know. Um, when the public starts to complain about the fact that quote-unquote, nothing is being done, and the fear that it's getting worse, do you have any advice? And and the second part of the question is back to not getting involved. What advice do you have to the public that really wants to get involved if they see something? Should they stand down? And if they are, if they are so motivated to act— is there any advice you can give as the police chief of Costa Mesa on what to do and what not to do in most cases? Sure. Well, let me start with the first part first, and, and that, that is uh, what to do if you're, if you're giving up hope. I don't want our, uh, your listeners to give up hope. If they see theft or they're a victim of crime, um, they still need to call the police. Let us do the best we can. Let our DA do their, the best they can with the tools we're, we're given. Um, and don't lose that hope. I do believe that Sacramento has come to realize that Prop 47, now almost a decade old, it was passed in 2014, I think they've come to realize that it has to be fixed, it has to be addressed, and I do believe that uh, we'll see some changes in the near future. So keep that hope, keep calling the police. Crime in Orange County and in Costa Mesa is, is, is low compared to, say, other places uh, in other areas around us, major metropolitan areas. So it's, even though people um, can sometimes be a victim of crime, you know, this is still a pretty safe county. Orange County is a pretty safe place to be. So keep the hope. We're still there. Your local police are going to still respond. As far as getting involved, I, we don't want anybody to get hurt. You're better to us as a good witness if you see, uh, if you can provide a physical description of people that have uh, stolen something or, or have committed a crime. That's always best. We, we would never encourage someone to intervene. Of course, people have a right to defend themselves and protect their life, uh, but we don't want anybody to get hurt. So it's better to call 911 as quickly as possible and, and provide as much detailed description as possible. Thank you for that answer. Before we go to break, I leave you with a question to ponder when we come back, and that is we have seen instances in the news, not necessarily here in Orange County but around the country, where someone has intervened, they have gotten involved, and it's backfired in the sense that there has ended up being some sort of retribution or legal action back against them. Maybe they've been arrested for some sort of a uh, physical uh, crime that they should not have put their hands on the person. Maybe it's been called a racial motivation, any kind of reason. Talk to me about that when we come back in just two minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation Tonight. And we are talking about retail theft, shoplifting, and gangs taking our merchandise out of our stores and what it's costing you. We will be right back. 
At the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hogue.org forward slash epilepsy care. That is how we do it all right here on Angel Radio. I'm Bruce Cook. The conversation, starting to get my voice back. It's a little clearer. I'll try not to cough. We're with Police Chief Ron Ronald Lawrence from Costa Mesa this half hour. And uh, before the break, I asked Ron to address the issue of what happens when a person gets involved to stop a retail theft or a shoplifter and something happens and then he or she gets in trouble with the law some kind of a lawsuit, a complaint, it turns into a big brouhaha. Mr. Lawrence, please comment. Yeah, well, as we've talked about with Prop 47, it's changing the uh, the value of property of, of um, uh, crime. So $950 or less is a misdemeanor. And what, what I would caution people to think about is at the end of the day, if the law says something's a misdemeanor property crime, to intervene in that, and now you're faced with a fight-or-flight situation. The emotions are high. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you're, you're uh, scared. You're emotional. The risk may not uh, outweigh the value of, of getting physically involved. And what I mean by that is if California says that property crime, a theft of less than $950 is a misdemeanor crime, and the intervention of trying to apprehend somebody for that crime results in a physical injury or even death, um, you have to ask yourself, does the liability there outweigh the crime itself? And I think that's, I mean, I'm not an attorney, and I certainly won't give you any legal advice, but I think for anybody with a rational mind, you have to ask yourself, is it worth myself getting hurt? Is it worth me hurting somebody else? Is it worth me somebody's life being lost here? Is this worth being criminally charged? And now, you know, I've intervened and now I'm I'm being charged. So I think one has to really consider the risks of getting involved with a misdemeanor property crime uh, versus what it, what the uh, success would be. Your answer is, is certainly reasonable and logical. The thing that I've noticed when these things have happened and someone has gotten involved and you see it on the, the televised news is that that person is so passionately angry about the fact that our society is suffering this lawlessness that they feel the compunction to not particularly use the rationale and the good sense that you've just offered, but that if somebody doesn't stand up and make a difference, society continues to go down the drain. With that, sir, I'm going to introduce my guest and friend here in the audience. In the audience. Our audience is you. In the studio, uh, Mr. John Connors is going to ask a question. He wanted to talk to you, uh, Chief Lawrence. John, take it. Yeah, hi, Chief Lawrence. Uh, thank you for the valuable uh, input uh, so far. Uh, I think about the shopping experience for many of the listeners here, particularly with some of the higher-end stores, maybe South Coast Plaza and such, and a, and a general apprehensiveness about 
Uh, if I do shop in one of those stores, will I be targeted? Might I be accosted in the parking lot? You know, what advice can you give to listeners uh, in those situations as to how to be, uh, I guess, less exposed? Yeah, great question. And let me start by sharing with you that our, our partners with the retail uh, outlets, South Coast Plaza, the Triangle, uh, Metro Point, I mean, we are uh, we have a great relationship with our business community and we stay in close contact with them we have actually police officers and a sergeant that are specifically assigned to retail theft uh, crimes so we stay on top of it we stay in a great relationship we've got great communication with their security teams and they have a great security force out there that does a great job of, of keeping their properties and their customers protected so I, I just speaking to Costa Mesa specifically uh, they create a, a really good shopping environment but but never, nothing's 100%. I think my advice would be to always be vigilant, always be paying attention, always being aware of your surroundings. You know, I don't want people to be paranoid, but you have to be thinking about, is, am I being followed? Am I, am I somebody watching me? I just bought, you know, a $1,000 Gucci purse, and I'm walking out to the car. Is somebody watching me put that in the trunk of my car? And so to, be, to pay attention to what's going on and always be aware and have your phone ready. I mean, if, if you feel weird or suspicious, uh, there's nothing that nothing wrong with calling 911 and letting our dispatchers know so we can get an officer out there. Ron, I have to say that the $1,000 is only going to buy uh, a credit card case from Gucci. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you could keep that hidden. <laughs> Good point. Any follow-up, Mr. Connors? No, that's very helpful. I think that uh, uh, from the merchant standpoint, too, they want to keep – their customer base strong and they want people to feel safe when they're shopping and know uh, these type of thing uh, resources are available so as to uh, improve their experience how much is inflation that we're going through right now a factor in shoplifting um, as we started to say earlier in our time together a lot of people are hurting so we're switching from the gang criminal violence to the guy who is you know He's going into uh, Ralph's and and uh, stealing some food, or into the pharmacy and stealing some whatever he needs. Um, how much is our economy, our inflation, a factor in the increase in this lawlessness and shoplifting? Besides the legalities that we've talked about and the misdemeanor factor of 950 or less. Well, I, I will weigh in on a little bit on that. Uh, you know, it's been our experience that. Somebody that's, that's doing a retail theft, if it's not the organized retail theft ring and you're talking about somebody uh, that's going in and stealing something, it's typically not somebody that's down on their luck and hungry. There's a lot of great programs for that in the city, and, and we have a lot of uh, opportunities to help folks in need. Um, oftentimes, though, it is somebody that's feeding a drug addiction and somebody that's, I'll say, suffering from a drug addiction. And that's the other thing Prop 47 did was it changed the possession of hard drugs, cocaine, methamphetamines, heroin, from a felony down to a misdemeanor. And while that might on its face sound like the right thing to do to, to kind of start to help people that are addicted to drugs and not make them uh, criminals or felons, what it really did was it prevented the criminal justice system from getting those folks who needed help into court-mandated uh, rehabilitation programs. And so you've got people out there that are really suffering. And it's been our experience that the people committing the thefts are often feeding a drug habit. It's a very good distinction. I'm glad you made it. Because you're right, there most of the theft is not somebody who hasn't had a sandwich stealing some bread, um, although that still does exist. Um, maybe not so much in wealthy Orange County, but 
certainly in a lot of places around the country. Let me read something based on what you just commented uh, from an article that was in the New York Post. Online marketplaces such as Amazon and Facebook Marketplace have enlarged the market for stolen goods. Criminal enterprise uh, recruit criminal enterprises recruit people to steal from stores in exchange for, as you said, drugs or a small payment. These people may steal from multiple stores across state lines, and in recent years, retailers say the episodes are becoming more violent and chaotic. What do you say about experiencing that kind of thing here in Orange County, here in Costa Mesa? Have you seen any increase in violence in dealing with these kind of people that are boosting, again, as you said, because they are suffering from drug addiction? We have, and I'll tell you, uh, I mean, you, you can just hear the stories in the news. There, there was the jewelry store in Irvine that I mentioned. There was one in Huntington Beach uh, some months ago. We had one here. I mean, in L.A., they have them often. Uh, it is violent. When these store takeovers happen, uh, you've got groups of people typically that come in and, and are they are committing a violent act. And it causes the, the customers there to be, of course, scared, and, and understandably so. Uh, so they, it does carry with them uh, a violence, uh, a piece of violence, and and even those that are not the organized retail theft, those that are that are under the influence of drugs, they can often be violent. So it does that does carry a very serious element to it. What does the future look like to you, uh, Mr. Lawrence? Are we getting worse? Are we staying the same? Are we turning a corner of any kind? I think people are frustrated. I think. In general, Californians are frustrated, and they're starting to talk to the policymakers, the elected officials, about getting change made. Just uh, maybe a week and a half ago, it was the NAACP in Oakland sent a letter to their city officials telling the city that the defund the police movement was a stupid idea and that they, they need more resources to help that community fight crime. And I, I think when you hear stories like that, it's evident to me that Californians are frustrated and they're tired of, of of being victimized of crime. And that's that's the voice that's been kind of muted in all of this criminal justice reform is the voice of the victim. Because if you've been ripped off, if you've gotten stolen from, it hurts. It's a, it is a weird feeling and you feel, well, for lack of a better term, you feel victimized. And people are tired. And I do think we're turning a corner. I think that Californians, uh, we've got people that are, are smart enough to figure this out and to change what needs to get changed. And I'm going to hold out the hope that we're going to get better. Given the fact that you've made it very clear that you're staying and that you are non-political in this matter, let me ask a question. Why, in your opinion, is this issue even political to begin with? I don't care if you're liberal, conservative, or from Mars. What is the difference between right and wrong? Stealing is wrong. I, I couldn't agree with you more. This should not be a political issue. And I don't know that it is. Like I, I mentioned in, in the beginning, Prop 47, the premise was to reduce the prison population. That, if you look at the, the history behind it in 2014, that's what they were trying to do. I don't know that the way they went about it was the right way. Uh, and I think we're suffering the consequences now. And I, I certainly think and hold out hope that we can fix some of these things. But let me, let me finish on that topic with, with this, that um, even though property crimes are up and we need to deal with this organized retail theft ring stuff 
we still are at historic lows as far as uh, the overall crime rate goes in California. And there has been an uptick in property crimes for sure, and even in violent crimes. And we have to fix it in California or things are just going to get worse. But I, I hold out hope that uh, we are turning that corner. And, you know, if I had rehearsed it, I couldn't have think, I could not have thought of a better way to end our half hour together. Chief Lawrence, it's been a great pleasure in having you on. You are a great source of information. I hope our listening audience appreciated it as much as I did. And my friend John here in the studio, uh, I thank you so much. I hope you'll come back again and, and share with us uh, many times in the future, and we'll all keep that hope alive. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks so thank much. You, Bye now. And ladies and gentlemen, say goodbye to Chief Ron Lawrence, Costa Mesa. I hope you've learned something. I sure have. Um, thank you so much for staying with me. We're going to take our half-hour break. We come back. We're going to change gears a little bit and delve into something really, really nice and really fun and really community-oriented and philanthropic, and it'll be good for your soul. So you better not turn the radio anywhere else. Stay with Bruce Cook and the conversation live tonight, Angels Radio, AM 830. We will be right back. I feel like dancing. I feel like dancing. Even if it's raining, I'm not complaining. I feel like dancing. I feel like dancing. Family Neurosciences Institute at Hogue is ranked in the top 1% in the nation by U.S. News & World Report. It provides world-class care through multidisciplinary expert teams, each focusing on specific disorders of the brain and spine, such as stroke, aneurysms, brain tumors, Parkinson's disease, cognitive disorders including Alzheimer's, epilepsy, back pain, as well as spinal cord issues, addiction medicine, and sleep disorders. Our renowned experts offer the best evidence-based care, state-of-the-art technology, and the latest clinical research, all focused on the individual patient. Our stroke program was the first in Orange County named as a certified comprehensive stroke center, and our brain tumor program is the largest in Orange County and among the top volume programs in the Western United States. Pick up Family Neurosciences Institute. Compassionate care, clinical excellence, creative intelligence. To learn more, call 949-516-9075 or visit hogue.org forward slash neuroinstitute. You have heard talk on this program about the Balboa Island Museum, located in the middle of Marine Avenue on Balboa Island. August is an exciting month for the museum. In addition to some special new exhibits, the museum also runs art classes every Wednesday in August. All ages are welcome. And the next event in the speaker series will feature author Bruce Cook, talking about his new book, An American Rich Girl. The date is Thursday, August 10th, and we start at 6 p.m. For more information, go to balboaislandmuseum.org. My job, people. I gotta make you move. I gotta make you move. I gotta inspire you. I gotta entertain you. I gotta make you laugh. I hope I can make you think. That's sort of my goal here on the radio. I know that's pretty unusual. Actually, it's very unusual. Listen, it's time to move the show along. Uh, I introduced my friend and my guest, John Connors, earlier when we were talking to Chief Ron Lawrence. He is here for a very different reason, uh, live in the studio tonight. John is a very successful guy. 
in Orange County. He hails from the East Coast, actually, originally from New York. But his life, his family, his work has been here for many decades. He is a very experienced and well-thought-of financial advisor with Goldman Sachs Aero. And uh, I understand he also works with his son, who's now with him in the business. But beyond that, John is very community-oriented and very, very concerned and and interested in in helping to make this a better place. And one of his interests as of late, and I'm not sure for how long, but has been to support a small museum in Newport Beach that is called the Balboa Island Museum. You might have heard the commercial that we played that's just joined supporting this broadcast also. Um, the museum is not very old. Um, it was started about a decade ago by a woman named Shirley Peppis and her extended family. And the purpose of it was to preserve the history, the lore, the people, and the culture of coastal Orange County, and in particular, the Newport Harbor. All the maritime history, as well as the land development, the century of, of incredible pioneers that have made a difference in this part of the world. The museum was honored for the last, actually two going on three years, by the Los Angeles Times as the best museum in Orange County. Now, I have to codify that by saying that in Newport Beach, it is the only museum in Orange County. So with that, um, I introduce you again to John, who also happens to have taken the role on this year as the president of the board of directors of the museum. And he's got some big goals and wants to share them with you tonight and also talk to you about the museum and everything that it offers. And guess what? It's all pretty much free to the public, which is also a really nice thing. Take it away, Mr. Connors. Great. Thank you, Bruce, for having me tonight. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk about uh, the museum and uh, what our mission and uh, uh, and long-range uh, <clears throat> focus is going to be. Uh, Bruce mentioned uh, Shirley Pepys, uh, uh, who is uh, sort of the passion and commitment behind the museum, starting from a little storefront uh, uh, a few years ago to now a centerpiece in the Balboa Island community located on Marine Street, uh, right in the heart of the business district. A very important fixture for us because it's a very welcome and reassuring place to visit. Uh, the exhibits are easy to flow through. It's very uh, conducive to uh, family uh, visits and children. Uh, there's a lot of hands-on things that uh, people can do. And uh, we get a regular uh, uh, entourage uh, of, of visitors uh, every day, particularly in the summer. In conjunction with that, we do offer uh, a, a number of programs, including the one that was just uh, advertised. We have uh, uh, art <coughs> uh, lessons uh, every Wednesday throughout the month of August for all ages. And uh, we conduct them right there at the museum location. Uh, we also uh, have special features such as uh, Bruce Cook uh, and the book signing on this this coming Thursday. Nothing like self-promotion on my own radio show. <laughs> yeah, but it's important to us because uh, we find too that uh, you know the involvement of someone like Bruce and the identification with people like him in the community is also a very 
valuable uh, experience. And we have an important fundraiser. It's going to be our third annual fundraiser, which is at the Newport Beach Fun Zone. We take the Fun Zone over for a whole night. It's uh, November 17th. And uh, this year's event is titled Denims <coughs> and Diamonds. And uh, with a uh, country-western theme, there'll be a country-western band. There will be lots of games, exhibits, and a live auction. Uh, last year, we, uh, at the, <laughs> at the, based on the generosity of one of our donors, we auctioned off a boat. And uh, rumor has it that we may have another boat that will be available for auction uh, this year. Uh, more details to come. Uh, we feel that the mission of the museum is extremely important to the community, uh, maintains a strong presence uh, in the community. We find uh, uh, that we want to uh, uh, provide one-of-a-kind exhibits to pick the culture and history, Newport Beach uh, and the surrounding areas, and engage more community involvement. And from, from that standpoint, it's uh, the outreach part that uh, uh, we really focus on. How can we do more towards the local community? Uh, we work closely with the Merchants Association in Balboa Island because uh, they see us as an important asset to them uh, because of the attraction that it brings to both tourists and uh, local visitors. No question, uh, this little museum is a, is a big boost to to the Balboa community, but the interesting thing also to me in my observing what goes on there, uh, John, is obviously there's a huge influx of tourists that come to the island, especially during the summer, but really all year long. They come from everywhere, not just Southern California, not just L.A., but everywhere because it's a, a focal point. And when I'm in that museum, People are wandering in, and they're amazed. They are amazed at the the exhibits. Um, they're amazed at the culture, and it's also wonderful for kids. Talk about maybe the education programs that I know that the museum does for school children. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's a whole variety of things that uh, we do, including even uh, uh, games, such as today there was a, uh, a scavenger hunt and there were a number of kids running around the museum, and uh, all the scavenger items are located in the exhibits, so it, uh, it, it introduces them to uh, uh, what's available to, to, to learn from the exhibits. Uh, there's a lot of hands-on type of uh, 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 events. Uh, there's a puzzle always going on in the middle of the museum. There's the art classes that I mentioned, uh, and we do have special events that uh, cater to to children of all ages that uh, we actually encourage children and parents uh, to join us. Don't you bring in sometimes classrooms from various schools, elementary schools, also homeschool uh, people have been uh, do, do uh, events in the museum, right? Yes, they do. And uh, we have had uh, a variety of different uh, classrooms uh, come in uh, to uh, conduct uh, a specific education course right there in the museum because it's a very friendly and homey environment. And uh, we uh, uh, reach out uh, to all the local schools and even uh, the local uh, uh, Sunday schools uh, to join us uh, at their convenience. The thing that also I thought was fascinating as of late is uh, the museum has 
honored and uh, exhibited institutions that have reached milestones, 50, 75, 100-year milestones. Uh, Theo Ro Theodore Robbins Ford in Costa Mesa, 106, I believe, years old, exhibit in the Museum of the History, the first Ford dealer on the Newport Peninsula in the, 19th, in the late 19th century. Interesting exhibit. I think you have an exhibit coming up sometime in the late fall uh, with the Laura Scudder's potato chip family. Yes. Uh, she came from this area, and that, that her potato chips changed America in the mid-century, and her peanut butter. You know, every child that is uh, uh, 50 years of age or older knows Laura Scudder's peanut butter and potato chips. That will be an exhibit. Just two weeks ago, Balboa Bay Club, mm -hmm. 75th anniversary of a local institution on the coast. Not only an exhibit with artifacts, but also a great speakers event. Um, on and on and on. All free to the public. But somebody's paying for this. How are you making money to keep this going? And what's the big plan to keep it going beyond our time? Great. And thank you, Bruce. You're a good spokesman for all the events and things that are going on. And by the way, because other... you're doing my book signing, and right. I have to be nice to you. <laughs> yeah, but other notable people, in addition to Laura Scudder, we uh, you know there's a John Wayne exhibit. Uh, we talk and about and John Wayne's a big deal. Yeah, we talk about prominent uh, developers of Balboa Island, the McFaddens, the Collinses, the Beaks. Uh, there's uh, particular uh, uh, descriptions of all their. Uh, contributions uh, to the development of, of Balboa Island. Uh, but we are 100% donor-funded. We are not an adjunct of the city of Newport Beach. We are not an adjunct of the county of Orange. Uh, our operations are based upon the community support, the listeners, the people that attend, and we have some very generous donors that have helped us through all these years. But uh, like any other similar organization, it's not evergreen. So we're constantly reaching out to the community and to our existing donor base and, and attempting to expand that donor base to bring a greater interest level into the museum. And to, in order to do that, we have to share our vision with them, which is first and foremost, we need a permanent home on Balboa Island. So right now we're a tenant. Uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a building located in the center on, on Marine Avenue. Uh, we hope someday we might be able to either buy that building or locate somewhere nearby on Balboa Island uh, on Marine Avenue. Uh, that's, that obviously entails a significant cost. So we're developing now a fundraising campaign. We set a target for us of $25 million, and we plan to do it through a variety of events such as the ones we've noted, particularly the annual Fun Zone Festival event. Uh, but it takes something more than that. It really takes some dedicated people that see and feel uh, and touch what we do and believe that this is an important asset to the community and an important uh, 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 asset for the future. On that, Mr. Connors, we're going to take our third break. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook. It's The Conversation tonight. We're talking to John Connors about Balboa Island Museum. If you're listening and you don't know about it, get in the car and go down to Balboa seven days a week. You've got to check this out. It really is a very special place. 
we got a couple minutes of commercials that are paying for our time tonight on the air. We'll be back to wrap it up. Stay with me. As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's Neurospine program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours, walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash spine health. It is an honor to talk with you about the Balboa Island Museum on this program. In addition to offering a unique perspective on the colorful history of Newport Beach, the museum conducts numerous events serving the local community, but can't do it without your support. The third annual Balboa Island Fun Zone Festival is coming up November 17th, titled Denim and Diamonds. It'll be a fun shindig with a country western band, barbecue, games, and a live auction. Sponsorship opportunities are available and tickets are now on sale. Go to balboaislandmuseum.org for more information. Watch me dance, dance the night away. My heart could be burning, but you won't see it on my face. Watch me dance, dance the night away. I'll still keep the party burning, I wouldn't out of place. We're dancing the night away right here in Angel's studio. John, you're a pretty good dancer. My wife won't tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're back. I'm Bruce Cook. Conversation tonight, live, Angels Radio. We're talking about Balboa Island Museum, where John, who in real life is a financial advisor with Goldman Sachs and ARO, and uh, in what time he does have in a very busy career, he is president of the board of Balboa Island Museum. And he, he's here today to, to share with you some really really great stuff about this little museum on Balboa Island in Newport Beach and why it matters to the community. Before we took this last commercial break, uh, John got into the fact that there's a very, very lofty ambition to raise some $25 million to buy a permanent building and create a permanent home for this museum. And it's a daunting task, obviously. It's not easy to raise that kind of money. And as he said, it's going to take a lot of passionate people that really care about preserving some history. John, do you think do you think the public in this day and age, not to throw a wrench into the dream, but is there that kind of passion anymore about anything historic? People seem to be living for the moment. They don't care about yesterday. They don't care about tomorrow. Let's just have a good time right now. What do you say? Yeah, it's a difficult question to answer, Bruce, uh, uh, from a philosophical standpoint, because there's so much to learn from the history and culture of our community. Uh, it builds you know, values and, and, and moral character. It uh, creates better citizenship, uh, and it uh, helps us all appreciate you know, who we are by knowing where we all came from. So my answer is adamantly yes, that uh, we need to keep that type of focus uh, on ourselves and uh, on our community and having uh, uh, institutions like the museum are a key 
element to that. And uh, the more we can do to try to stay abreast of the times, you know, there's a lot in the museum about old culture, but we're developing a lot about today's culture, pop culture, things that we can uh, reach out uh, and be more conversant uh, in terms of uh, current uh, uh, values and current mores. Very nice answer, John. I'm going to plug the Fun Zone Festival party. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening, you're all invited. Tickets are $200, November 17th. Um, it is an outdoor festival uh, at the Fun Zone on Balboa Peninsula. Uh, incredible, as John described it to be. Lots of fun. Go to balboaislandmuseum.org. You can buy your tickets. You can find out more about it. Ladies and gentlemen, our time is just about up. John Connors, thank you for sharing. We really appreciate it. We're going to keep in touch with you. Thank you, Balboa Island Museum, for endorsing and supporting this program. It means a great deal to me, to the station, and also to the museum. So listeners out there, whether you're in your car, at your home, wherever you are, it's been an honor. You take care of yourselves this week and come back again next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. The conversation moves on. Good Thank luck you, and good night. There's no hurt or sorrow. There are ways to get there. If you care enough for the living, make a little space. Make a better place. Heal the world. Make it a better You've been listening to The Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear The Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public.